Hi, I'm Skip Nipper. Welcome to my podcast, where I tell you about Nashville's great baseball history and traditions. Shot to right a one-hop liner. Certainly about its past, especially about Tom Wilson Park, Herschel Greer Stadium, Sulphur Dale, but also a little bit about its present and future, too. Yes, he can. A mix the waist-high catch. And I introduce you to players, coaches, and other fans and their love for everything baseball. A high fly ball down the right field corner going way back. Hits a leadoff home run. Some time ago, researching for Sulphurdale and the National Vols baseball and any National Baseball history items that I could come across, I, I did come across an article published in the Nashville Tennessean on January the 14th, 1908 in the sports section. Now, that's 116 years ago. And it was entitled Bernie Off for Dixie by Grantland Rice. And it is about Bill Bernard, who has been chosen to become the new manager of the Nashville Vols for the 1908 season. And he writes, this is uh, Rice writing, Nashville will have her mogul installed Wednesday morning. Bernard has cut loose from Cleveland with a one day's pause in Youngstown, Ohio, where he hopes to close up another deal. When he arrives, we'll have something of a hunch where we're at in the new player line. As up to date, he has shipped in no information as to what he has pulled off. The general opinion in Cleveland seems to be that he has bagged both Graney and Newton, a couple of side wheelers, and that both are first-class men. So Bill Bernhardt, on his way to Nashville, is trying to recruit and sign players to play for the Nashville Vols. And Rice goes on to write, with his arrival too, the saw and the hammer get busy reclaiming the arid waste of Sulphur Spring, which classic spot with a new set of stands will be known as Sulphur Spring Dale and not Sulphur Spring Bottom as of yore. And Sulphur Spring can take a good block of reclaiming without being visibly hurt by the treatment. Now he's talking about Old Athletic Park which became known as Sulphur Spring Dale. Uh, it was from where the ballpark was situated in the Sulphur Spring bottom of Nashville. And later, he writes in poetry, well, he writes in an article or two because he renames the Nashville Baseball Club, well, which had no name, to the Nashville Volunteers. And that's in a previous story that I'd either written online at sulphurdale.com or uh, in one of my previous podcasts. You can find it there. But he shortens it to Sulphur Dell, and the fans picked up on it, and forevermore, even some cases today, it's the ballpark area is referred to as Sulphur Dell. So it's important, I think, for us to understand what Bill Bernard did. Now, you may see his name spelled with a T on the end. He's got a baseball card from, I think, 1909, and some other places you might see the T on the end. But mostly it's Bill Bernhard, B-E-R-N-H-A-R-D, and he was known in most, most cases, it's Strawberry Bill because he had red hair. Bernhard was born on March the 16th, 1871, in Clarence, New York, near Buffalo, the oldest child of German immigrants, Peter and Mary. And Bill Bernard pitched for amateur teams in the Buffalo area, including a team in East Buffalo known as the Crandalls and a team representing Akron, New York. At the rather late age of 26, he became a professional pitcher and first baseman for the Palmyra Mormons in the Class C New York State League. Now, Palmyra is close to Rochester, and the team's use of the name Mormons moniker 
corresponds to local history because Palmyra was home to Joseph Smith, the founder of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons. In those days, Bernard was known as Big Bill, a hard-throwing right-hander who stood six feet one and weighed 205 pounds. The Philadelphia Phillies of the National League tried to sign him to a contract after the 1897 season, but he felt they did not offer enough, so he played in 1898 for a team, I'm going to butcher this name, Kanajahari, New York, it's C-A-N-A-J-O-H-A-R-I-E, New York, and that's close to Albany and really less than 30 miles to Cooperstown. The Phillies signed him for the 1899 season. On April the 24th, 1899, Bernard made his major league debut at the age of 28, pitching six innings in relief and allowing five runs in Philadelphia's 10-8 loss to Brooklyn. And he delivered a three-hitter against the New York Giants on August the 22nd and a shutout of the Cleveland Spiders on September the 14th, and his 1899 record was 6-6 with a 2.65 ERA. He began the 1900 season with a 12-1 record, but lost seven of his next eight games as he struggled with his control. And he finished the year with a 15-10 record and set 4.77 ERA. And he married Lillian Seacrest of Buffalo the next year. He moved to the American League with Connie Mack and the Athletics for the 1901 and 1902 seasons before signing with Cleveland and manager Bill Armour before Knapp Lazuay became manager in 1905. And Bernard remained there through the 1907 season. He developed into one of the best pitchers in the American League from that time forward. Now, you got to remember, he's a little older than a lot of pitchers. He's not young. He's 28, 29 years old. And his 17 and 10 record and 4.52 ERA in 1901 improved to an 18 and 5 mark and a 2.15 ERA in 1902. But Bill and Lillian celebrated the birth of their first child, daughter Marion, in May of that season, 1902. And in the off-season, uh, he and uh, Bill and his family traveled to California, where he pitched for a touring team of major league all-stars, and he fell in love with the Golden State. He praised its climate and said how nice it was to go out and pick oranges from the trees. Well, I can tell you, it sure beat winter in Buffalo. He continued to shine for Cleveland in 1903 and 1904. His combined record over those two seasons was 37 and 18 with a 2.13 ERA, including 23 wins in 1904. And his wife Lillian and his daughter Marion often attended the home games in which Bill pitched. Now, Lasway was named the manager of the 1905 Cleveland Naps. He was so popular, they actually called the team Naps because Napoleon Lajouet, Nap Lajouet, was the popular manager. Cleveland first baseman Charlie Carr, though, felt Bernard was a better choice to manage the team. Carr said, when the Cleveland club management appointed Lajouet as manager in 1905, it made a serious mistake to my way of thinking. Not that Lajouet was not a competent man for the position, but because it did not result in the harmony necessary on a team to make it a pennant winner. The man who could have made perfect harmony on the team was Bill Bernhard, for every man liked him and would have worked his head off for him. 
Well, Bernard struggled in 1905. He had a 7-13 record and a 3.36 ERA. But he rebounded in 1906, a little better, 16-15, with a 2.54 ERA. But tragedy struck Bill and Lillian in February of 1907 when Marion, their only child, died of pneumonia. The 36-year-old Bernhard pitched only 42 innings that season, his final major league season. He said, there has been nothing wrong with me at any time this year, but the other pitchers were going so well that I was not used this year. Because of this idleness, I am unable to do myself justice. I am as green as can be when I get on the rubber. But that's Nashville's good fate, because Cleveland released him in January of 1908. That's about the time that Grantland Rice wrote that article I read earlier. And he became the manager of the Nashville Volunteers. You see, the 1907 Volunteers had finished in last place in the eight-team Southern Association. And Bernard used his major league connections to acquire talent for the 1908 Vols. His acquisitions included his former Cleveland teammate, Harry Deerfoot Bay, named Deerfoot because he was so fast and a promising Cleveland prospect named Jake Daubert. Jake Daubert would go on to play for Brooklyn and also for Cincinnati and probably deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. At least he would have my vote. And in addition to managing the team, Bernard pitched and compiled a 7-6 record, including shutouts of New Orleans, Atlanta, and Montgomery. Now, here's the interesting part about what he did for the 1908 Nashville Vols. His club trailed the first-place New Orleans Pelicans by a half game in September when the Pelicans arrived in Nashville for a season-ending three-game series. Well, Bernard himself pitched the first game of the series but lost 5-1, to one. but his team won the next two games to win the pennant by a slim half-game margin. And that was the greatest game ever played in Dixie, according to Grantland Rice. And Bernard's turnabout of the Volunteers from last place in 1907 to first place in 1908 brought him national acclaim. The Cleveland Plain Dealer newspaper described his managerial style. He is on the order of Connie Mack. There is nothing boisterous about Bernhard. He acts quietly, telling his men of their mistakes in the same tones that he praises them for some piece of brilliant work. Instead of whistling and tearing up the grass, he wigwags with his scorecard, as the leader of the athletics does. He served under Connie Mack at Philadelphia prior to coming to Cleveland and was always an admirer of the methods of the tall and lanky leader. Connie Mack was his mentor. Bernard's success in Nashville made him a local celebrity. In May 1909, fans gave him a diamond-studded pin. Some of the fans wanted to give him a 90-horsepower automobile. But Bill intimated that this was not would not be acceptable until he won his second pennant, so the pen was decided on. Still, probably a pretty nice gift. He could have gone to Cleveland or New York in the American League in 1910, but he returned to lead the Volunteers, and the Southern Association adopted a $3,000 salary limit for the 1910 season, and he took an unprecedented step that made him even more popular with his players. He said, The boys have played faithfully for me. I have not the heart to ask them to pay for less than they are capable of getting anywhere. 
Therefore, I told them that they could choose their futures if they could show me where they were able to draw more money than our reduced rates would permit. All will be sold or placed to suit themselves. Now, that's a player's manager. Well, Bernard sold several of his stars to teams in other leagues so that these players could earn more than $3,000. And, of course, with a weakened lineup, the Volunteers played poorly to start the 1910 season. He said the team would settle down now that the dangers attending the Comet have passed. He was talking about many people were unnerved by Haley's Comet in April of 1910. But by July, the team was transformed from a bunch of dubs to the best fellows on earth. And if Bill Bernhard would consent to accept the nomination, he could easily be elected mayor of Nashville, the newspaper said. And at age 39, he pitched in 29 games during the 1910 season, including a one-hit shutout of Mobile on August the 31st. Well, they didn't fare great. The Vols finished in fifth place, you know, a long way back behind first-place New Orleans, 23 games behind the Pelicans. And the Nashville team owners chose not to renew Bernhard's contract for the 1911 season. It seems they were spoiled by the team's recent success. As sports writer Rice says, the directorate made a large, juicy mistake in turning loose a corking good manager. And Bernard was instantly hired to manage the Memphis Turtles, a team that had finished in seventh place in the Southern Association in 1910. Well, he led the Turtles to sixth place, fourth place, and sixth place finishes in 1911, 1912, and 1913, respectively. And he continued to manage, but in February of 1917, he endured another family tragedy. His beloved wife, Lillian, died after an extended illness. And after managing one more season, I think at Salt Lake City, his career in professional baseball was over. He moved to Southern California, where he'd said that he loved it there. And in 1930, he married Lotta Mae Deals, a registered nurse. And he became the information chief for the Santa Anita Racetrack and later a shipping clerk for Stationers Corporation. And on March 30th, 